as we read through this, I want you to think about one or two things. You'll see in the, the first uh, part of it, in the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Mark is making sure that his readers here will have the full title of the person he's going to speak about. He hasn't yet introduced him yet, but he wants them to know who it is he's going to speak about. So he starts in the very first part, in the beginning of the gospel, that's the good news, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then he goes on in verse 2. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way. In a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. What he's saying here, that what he's going to tell them is not hearsay. It's not something he's made up. And it's something that the people he's going to present uh, this gospel to are people who should know this. Because these are people who would know about the Old Testament, who would know about Isaiah and about Micah, and they would know about different prophets. And then he goes on in verse 4 to 8, and he says this. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Jordan countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River and John wore clothes made of camel hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locust and wild honey and this was his message after me will come one more powerful than I the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What Mark is saying here to these people, he's saying, look, I wrote this down, and I've given it to you now. I'm still here at the time he could have been. And he's saying these things are not only told about in the past, but they are happening right now here in your day, in my day, Mark, the one who's writing this down. So it is for you and you've got no excuse because it's being announced to you right now and then Mark goes on in verse 9 and we go through then to uh, see who Jesus actually is at the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan and as Jesus was coming up out of the water he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And at once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. And what's happening here, Mark has now moved on. And he's now talking about the, the person who he's spoken about. The one who is to come. The one he mentioned in verse 1. And by the end of Mark's gospel, by the end of his account, the people who were reading it, will know that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what the announcement was. And if we went towards the end of Mark's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 39, we read this. And then the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus, this is at the crucifixion, and he heard his cry and he saw how he died. He said this, Surely this man is the Son of God. 
But you see where we're going as we go through Mark's Gospel. And we're going to go through that uh, step by step. And then we come to verse um, 12. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. And he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals. And the angels came to attend him. So we have here confirmation. Right at the very beginning of who this person is that Jesus is talking about. And a little bit uh, about what's going to happen. We're going to just go through that and see what we can learn from that this morning. So just have a word of prayer before we do that. Our Father, we thank you that this is your word and it's relevant to us today. And we ask that you will open our hearts and our minds as we go through it together. That you will encourage us, that you will maybe challenge us, and that you will show us again something of your glory and of who you are. Through the words that you have led Mark to write, that you have preserved down the years so that we today can have it here, and we too can use it to our blessing and your glory. And we ask it in the precious name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So we have four Gospels in our Bibles, and you know what they are. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Bless the bed that I lay on. I think that was a little sort of thing that children are taught to say. And we've got the, these four Gospel writers. They are people. They saw the things that happened. They wrote down. And this has been preserved down the years by God for us. And they were led by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you look at Matthew's Gospel, they were different people. It's great to have different people, different personalities. And God uses us. And also, God has a heart for everybody. And so there are differences in these Gospels that will appeal to different people. And when they were written, the emphasis in uh, Matthew's Gospel was Jesus the Messiah. The king has come. Why? Because that was important to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people were basically the first recipients of the gospel. And they knew a lot. And so Matthew is appealing to them and others. But the Jews would understand his gospel completely. When you come to Mark, in Mark we see Jesus as a servant. Mark wrote this from Rome. And at the time, the land he was in was in Roman occupation he now moved and he was in Rome where the, the, the occupiers were and things were happening there were Christians who were Romans and they become Christians there were Jews in Rome who had become Christians and so Mark presents Jesus as initially the servant and that would relate to the people of his day and in particular the Romans the Roman believers and then when you come to Luke Luke shows Jesus as the Son of God and he's appealing mostly to the Gentiles because the person he wrote it to we understand was a Gentile and so when you go through Luke you can see this and this the Son of Man is a starting point for people who don't know anything or very little about the Old Testament or about Judaism or about the God of Israel so you see this when you come to these three are called the synoptic gospels that means they are very similar in style and in the way they present them John is slightly different and um, John when you look at John's gospel what he does here he, he presents Jesus as the son of God because that's who he is but his message relates to both Jew and Gentile he tells us in his gospel why he wrote the gospel 
and the most famous gospel verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the Jews, yes. God so loved the Gentiles, yes. But it's God so loved the world. And that's there in John's gospel. They're all relevant to us today. And we're going to look at Mark's gospel. So we're, we're going to ask the question first of all, and it's right to do this, who is Mark? If you receive a letter, the first thing you want to know is who is it from? If it's junk mail, you just put it to one side and bid it. If it's something which is maybe from the bank, oh, it's from the bank, so I'll read it. It might be from a friend. Oh, it's from a friend. I will read it and probably read it again and then respond to it and reply to it. Because when we know the person, we understand better what he's writing or what they're writing and why they're writing it and that it is for us. So what we're going to do first of all, who is Mark? Well, he wasn't an apostle, but he would have known Jesus. His full name was John Mark. Now John being um, a Hebrew uh, name and Mark is is really a, a Latin type name and apparently in those days, very often the Jewish people would do that. They would give their children two names, particularly the boys. And so he was named John and Mark. And he probably used the name Mark because he is appealing to those who are the occupiers in the land and in the land that he is now living when he wrote this gospel or the, the, the city he's in, which is Rome. So that's like a Roman name. So that would be a bit more acceptable. When, when I introduce myself to people I know, I introduce myself as Eddie. And they know me as Eddie, and they relate to that because it's Eddie. When I say Edward, people very often, oh, that's a bit posh. <laughs> oh, that's a bit formal. So you get it. You know, it's important when we give our name, isn't it? You know, uh, and sometimes, like, Stella hates Matthew being called anything other than Matthew. <laughs> and she, she lived with Matt, but she hates Matty. Don't call her Matthew, Matty. Stella's around. I'm whispering so she doesn't hear that. But, you know, you, a name means something, doesn't it? It means something. So, so who is this person, Mark? His name is, is John Mark. His mother's name is Mary. Uh, he's a cousin to Barnabas, who you'll find out about later. He's probably converted under Peter's ministry. And he's accompanied Paul on his missionary journey. He fell out with Paul. He was forgiven by Paul and he was with Paul in Rome towards the last days of Paul the Apostle. And you'll find none of that in Mark's Gospel, I don't think. So where did he get it from? It's all here in the Bible. It's all here. And it's in Acts chapter 12, it's in Acts chapter 15, in Colossians 4, it's in Timothy 4, it's in Philemon, and it's in Peter. And I've done a little slip of paper with those references on it, and that's what I'll give you later. So you can go back and find out a bit about Mark. Read for yourself about those things I've just mentioned. How is he related to Barnabas? Why did he fall out with Paul? How come he went on Paul's missionary journey? How do we know he was at Rome? Well, all the information's there, and you can do a little bit of homework there. You can take, and I've done it on a little slip of paper, so you can stick it in your Bible. If you give it a big piece of paper, you'll take it home, look at it, put it down, and lose it. <laughs> That's what we do, don't we? So we're here, and we're going to look at this book of Mark. We've got those, those references for, for us to, to look at. And we know that he wrote the Gospel. And like the other Gospel writers, and this is important, Mark wasn't writing a biography of the life of Jesus. He wasn't. 
That wasn't the purpose of the gospel writers. They weren't even putting things necessarily always in chronological order. They didn't put everything in that they knew. But they did put the important things in. And when you read through the Gospels, the important things that each individual Gospel writer has put in his Gospel, you can see the relevance of who he's speaking to. They all speak to everybody. But you know, there's a little... You say, oh yeah, I know now why he's so heavy on, on the Old Testament. I know why now he's having to explain things that are in the Old Testament because these people don't, don't understand it. So we see this as, as we read through our Bibles. Although in our Bibles we have Matthew, Mark, and Mark is listed after Matthew, Mark wrote his Gospel before Matthew wrote his. And we, we know that when um, Mark wrote his Gospel, it, it was in between AD 60 and 65. And... Matthew wrote his a little bit later, maybe from 65 on. Very close. We can identify these things by the historical points. You can see whether the temple had been destroyed yet. The temple was destroyed in AD 70. So you can time these things. So you can see when they were written. Now Mark's account is shorter than the other Gospels. It is less detailed than the other Gospels. But get this, it covers more miracles than the other Gospels. How come he covers them and it's shorter and he covers more? Well, it's the way he writes and the way he presents them and what he's doing. Because Mark's Gospel moves at a fast pace and you will see things that are immediately happening. You will see at once, at once, immediately. You know, he's boom, boom, boom. He wants to get this, this through. It's fast and it's furious if you want to follow that phrase. So fasten your seatbelts. Themes. Well, the main theme is Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And this is Jesus being presented as the servant. And the Roman people would relate to this. And they would see it as quite shocking. Oh, he's a servant. They wouldn't expect that. When you hear the unexpected, you think um, somebody will say something, you'll hear one word and you go, oh, what's that? It's unexpected. And they would think, we, we don't expect servants to be in, in powers of position. So who is this servant? So right away, you, you've got the, the seed being sown there. So that chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Wow, that's a big statement for these who are reading it. But to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark is saying, he didn't come to do this, but he did come to do this. That's relevant for us today. That's a great verse. We see that Mark had a close relationship to Peter, and Peter would have been the one who... who who gave Mark first-hand information. Uh, some of the commentators will describe uh, Mark as being a scribe for Peter. Now, 
when you read through and you, you, you sort of realise Mark was a lot younger, would have been a lot younger, he was on the fringes, he wasn't an apostle, he was more than likely a follower, but Jesus had hundreds of followers at the time, and some of them deserted him. So he would have been there, but not in the forefront. But Peter was. And Peter more than likely took Mark under his wing, and more than likely, a lot of information that Peter gave would be found here in Mark's Gospel. So, the question, who is Jesus? That question is answered in Mark chapter 1 through to chapter 8 verse 30. The question, what type of leader, what type of Messiah, what type of king is Jesus? The answer is in chapter 8, 31 down to chapter 16, verse 8. And the question, what does Jesus want his followers to do, is answered in chapter 16, verse 9 through to 20. So, verse 1 through to 3, what do we see there? Just read through those verses as we look at them together. And what Mark is telling us right at the beginning, he tells us who Jesus is. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. People who are reading this for the first time might not fully know who Jesus is. And Mark is getting this point over right at the beginning. And he's going to then lead us through at a very fast pace so that by the end, as I mentioned before, the reader will know who Jesus is and what he's done. And then you come to verse... Uh, 1 through to 3 um, where we see Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God he was expected and his arrival should have been no surprise to the people he's speaking to because Mark's message, uh, John's message is for the Jewish people and so Mark here tells us about John. And he tells us about references from the Old Testament. And so he's saying to these people right at the beginning here, there'll be a messenger. A messenger who will come ahead of the one who is prophesied. And the messenger is John. And John is here in your midst. And John is baptising they would know Isaiah, they would know Malachi, they would know these references. And in verse 4 to 8, again, John is saying to them, look, it's not just prophecy. It's prophecy come true. It's not just prophecy that's come true. It's prophecy that's come true in your day. You are about to experience it. And the first bit of that prophecy that's come through to in your day is that of John the Baptist. But he says, this messenger who has been promised, who is now here and who has the message, is now telling you that there'll be somebody who will come after him, who is greater than him, who is more powerful than him. That is the one that Mark is going to speak about in his gospel here. And Mark leaves, a, he, he leaves out an awful lot of detail if you read this through, 
um, you'll notice there's not much there. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance, great, for the forgiveness of sins, yes, the whole Jordanian countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around him, at wild honey and locust, and he was a messenger. Now that's it. But after him will come one more powerful. Mark leaves out a lot of detail. When you come to the baptism of Jesus, there's a lot less in Mark's gospel than you find in the other gospels. But Mark doesn't leave out the important details. And Mark is travelling at a fast pace and he gets to the point. Sometimes we like that, don't we? We like people who just get to the point. You know, they're telling you a story and you're thinking, will you stop laughing on? Just get to the point. You know, and it, it, we see it in life. Who remembers the Green Cross Code? Okay, what's the Green Cross Code? Come on, tell me what it was. Look right, look left, look right again. What does that mean, look left, look right, look... Was it? Look left, look right, look, look right again. Yeah. It doesn't say this. Look left. Because there might be a car coming. It might be close enough to you to cross. But maybe not. So look right. There might be no car coming. But that car you saw might be... So look again. Now when you look left and there's no car, you have to look right. But there might not be a car there. But in the meantime, there might be a car coming. So see all the detail. On that occasion, you don't need that. Right, so we've got to cross the road now. What do we have to do, Dad? Look left, look right, look left again. It's all clear, get across. That's it. That's, and you'll find that in Mark. And there's a lot of detail not there. doesn't mean the detail didn't happen. But it's a great book to read through because you go through it at a fast pace. It, it, it's good, he gets there, he gets to the point. But just for us today, John is preaching to Jews who were God's chosen people. They were part of God's covenant. They were part of God's promise. They were still under God's covenant. That's important. They are still living under God's promise, but it's been, it's been corrupted by the leaders. And the people are just being ritualistic. They're not being real. That's why John preaches, confess your sins, repent. What does that mean for them people? It means to look back at their God and see how far away they've moved from him. Just like we're reading in Judges. They're under the covenant, but they're far away from God. They've got to repent. They've got to turn back to God. This is what these people have got to do under John's ministry. Why? Because they've got to be prepared for the one who is coming. The one who is already there in their lifetime. And these Jewish people... I've got to be ready for it. Paul always went to the synagogue first. Before he went and preached the gospel, he preached it to the Jews. Because he was saying to them, you are living under the old covenant. You need to repent. You need to turn back to your God. A little bit different for the Gentiles. You need to turn back to God. So we've got this ministry from John. And why does John baptise? John baptises because he says to these people, look, you've got to show these religious leaders, these Pharisees, 
who are leading you the wrong way. You've got to show that you have turned back to the God of Israel under the old covenants of the moment and you're going to show them you've done it by getting baptised. That's why the Pharisees came down to investigate. All these people were turning back to God. They were turning back to the right way to approach God. Probably coming to the temple and wanting to offer the offerings in the right way. They should, and the, the priest, but what's happening here? What's going on? What's the, what, what's the difference? I know what the common denominator is. They've all been baptised. Have they? Who by? By that fellow. Let's go and investigate. Yeah. And when they got there, what did John say? It's not me. It's the Messiah. He's here. And I am preparing you, the Jewish nation, to accept him. They're being given a chance, like Paul went into the synagogue. See the importance don't get the two mixed up, you know. We're, we're, the people being baptised by John were Jewish people who were doing it. Yes, it's the same principle to identify. They would be dead in the old ways, which they would be soon, and they would be alive in Christ, but they don't know that yet. So their first step is to, for them, get back to God. Get back to God. John probably doesn't have to say all this because they know it's happening in their life. They'll have seen it. They'll read his gospel and they go, oh yeah, I remember so and so. He did that. He got baptised and he was different. You know, do you get it? And they probably think, and later on, he met that fellow Jesus and his life was changed completely. So you get what's happening here. This is radical teaching for the Jews of John's day. They needed to be prepared for the message that Jesus would bring the message of salvation not through wealth not through works and for them not through their relationship with Abraham do you get that? because that's what they were clinging on to look at all the discussions that Jesus had with the Pharisees and the scribes and that's what they were doing we're okay, Abraham's our father we'll do it our way no, it's not the way God wants you to do it because it's corrupted, it's moved away it's so different that's what's happening here at the beginning, this radical teaching about repentance and faith and forgiveness. And you know, it's the same today. It's the same message, different circumstances. The same God, the same message, the same gospel. Exactly the same. Realisation. Realising what? Realising how we stand before God. We are sinners who can do nothing of ourselves to appease God and to move ourselves away from the wrath of God which is to come we can do nothing, we need to realise that we need to recognise that we don't have to do anything other than believe believe what? believe in Jesus the Christ the Son of God who died on the cross and paid the price for our sins and then we get forgiveness repent Believe, be forgiven. Same message, but you get the way it's being presented to a different people who, as yet, do not know Jesus. Who is John? John the Baptist. I'll tell you who John the Baptist is. He's the last of the Old Testament prophets. So he is. Because he was promised as a prophet, a prophet will come. And a prophet will come with a message. He's the last of the old. When we do, when we do the Old Testament prophets, 
We do the major prophets and the minor prophets. We should include John. Because that's who he is. That's why he dressed like the Old Testament prophets. His message was the same. He was bringing the people back to God. To prepare them for the Son of God. You get that? And that's the importance of it. You notice there's not all that detail in Mark. But the essence is there. The essence is there. And when you come to uh, Jesus, it gives us, it's Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So we've got a bit more about him. Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then a very short account of Jesus being baptised by John. Doesn't embellish it other than that, you know. But he gives the important things. What, what, what are the important things? That the Spirit descends. In other words, it is of God. This that's happening is of God and there is a purpose. And then God speaks. And what does God say? You are my son whom I love and you, I, in you I am well pleased. So he's not giving you a lot of detail but he's giving you the important detail. You're at the, on the pavement. Look left, look right, look left again. If it's all clear, gone. That's all you need. Thanks, thanks Mark. Thanks Mark, you're doing great there. We can motor through this, but we can get what we need to know. The other things are important, and the other things are there. Notice in, in, in verse 12, when we come to this, this um, account here, at once, verse 12, at once, get the immediacy here, at once, and Mark is straight in with the next event, not much detail. If you want to know the detail that's happening here in this event, go and read Matthew and Luke. They give us all that information, so we've got it. And it's important we know it. But Mark's sort of aim here is to give these facts to these people, mostly Roman people, maybe Romans have become Christians, and look, this is what you need to know now. And these are the important things you need to know now. You need to look left, you need to look right. And then... We'll tell you why you have to do all those things, because they're important. But Mark's just getting it all through. A short account of Jesus being baptised by John. And then when we come to verse 12 to 13, a straight in with the next event, not much detail, but he gives us important points. First of all, Jesus was sent by the Spirit. It's of God. Where was he sent? Into the desert. How long was he there? 40 days. Was it dangerous? Yes. Because there were physical dangers in that desert. And Mark tells us that, wild animals. And he also tells us that the angels protected him. In those 40 days. When he was in danger from the likes of the wild animals. But there was a greater danger. And the greater danger was, and Mark tells us this, that he was being tempted by Satan. And that being tempted by Satan doesn't mean it all happened in half an hour. If you want the details, we've got the details in the other Gospels. But Mark has given us the important things. He gives us a little bit more, you know, in that it was a dangerous place, not just a spiritually dangerous place, but it was also a humanly dangerous place. And then Mark moves on. A fast pace as we follow Jesus, but with enough information for his readers especially those in Rome at the time, they would be left in no doubt as to who Jesus is. 
They will be left in no doubt what he came to do. And be left in no doubt of what it all means for them in their day. And it's exactly the same for us. We have a greater advantage. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We have the rest of the New Testament. We have the whole of the Old Testament. We have all these things. But these people didn't. And they're being given the important things. Enough for them to see their need. To be able to respond to their need. To recognise who Jesus is. And to know why he came. And also to put them in a position where there are plenty of people around for them to go and ask questions. And that's what we try to do now as we present the gospel. So, what about us? What are we going to find out as we go through Mark's gospel? And as we find it, how are we going to apply it? Because the whole of Scripture speaks to those who know Christ as their saviour and to those who don't it challenges and encourages both of those types